moving ahead on through your week. It's the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and welcome to it. I'm Dirk Christensen. Joe Gangrich is over here. Bob Brogan joins us in a minute with a business preview, and Jason Jorgensen is right over yonder to bring us up to speed on sports. Joe, news headline. How far in the yonder? Uh, it, wild blue yonder. Oh, okay. Yeah, way up there. It's Even though he's wearing red. Pretty blue now. <laughs> well, well, okay. We got to talk about property taxes. We may not talk about it much on midday, but after midday, the governor having a news conference at the Capitol about LB 461. Then Farm Bureau is going to have one after that con- with their concerns on 461, with that bill scheduled for debate tomorrow. So that is going to be the hot topic here for a couple of days. So we will keep you posted. It's been the hot topic for yeah. a couple of well, days. going to get from the frying pan into the fryer, I think. Yeah. What would they do if that was ever solved what would people complain about i don't know we could go back to the weather <laughs> <laughs> yeah go back to complaining about the weather i guess but now it's uh, it's it's time we you know got something meaningful done on property tax reform so we'll we'll see what becomes of, of tomorrow's debate also at twelve thirteen in ag news uh, iowa senator uh, Joni ernst talking trade today she said ag can't be thrown under the bus in our nafta renegotiation so she has some comments on that dewey at twelve nineteen with dean hefta of water street solutions will get their take on today's market activity jason has our newsmaker who is nu volleyball coach john cook they're getting ready for the spring game jason yeah they are they got a big match coming up in Kearney against colorado state on saturday uh, the match sold out in 24 minutes that yeah. uh, granted 2,000 seats, but still, that's that's impressive. I would think even for that practice, they're going to have a jammed place, aren't they? That is right, and that's one of the reasons why they do that. So coming up... uh, How much is the allotment for CSU? Uh, a few although they got a couple kids (laughs) it will be a home court advantage for the Huskers we'll say that but they 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 have some kids uh, uh, from Nebraska especially from the North Platte area who are on the team so uh, credit to the Huskers for doing this so we'll hear more from Coach Cook about that and he talks about if you show up on Friday night what you will see at the practice very good so we'll wait for that Jason always has a great interview with Coach Cook that'll be at 1245 Jesse comes in with Jenny Reese, UNL Extension educator and a friend of the Rural Radio Network. Jenny's also, uh, she always has good information for us, I should say. She'll be talking about uh, some things to keep on the top of your mind this planting season. What else is going on in sports, Jason? Well, Coach Mike Riley decided to announce, let everybody know who his starting quarterback will be going into fall camp. Now, that doesn't mean that things can't change, but... A lot of folks thought that uh, Tanner Lee had had just a little bit better spring than Patrick O'Brien. He has lots of experience uh, at his uh, other stop when he played at Tulane. So uh, we'll get the thoughts from Coach Riley on that and whatever anything else pops up between now and 1220. Coach Riley actually did that last night on Sports Night. It was kind of a cool deal. First he went to Twitter. Of course, is the way you do it. Works for the president. I missed that tweet too. Coach of the Huskers. <laughs> then he took. Then he talked to Greg Sharp after that. Bob Brogan. Let's talk about business. Stocks are on the rise. Also, GM is holding its operations in Venezuela because, uh, by gosh, uh, authorities have seized a factory over there, and you can't make cars when they've seized your factory. Also, uh, jobless claims are uh, rising so those are some of the things that we're keeping an eye on today we will keep an eye on all of it for you today here on midday so 
sunshine today, pretty nice temperatures, but uh, we're going to cloud it up and then get warm and dry again and then cloud up again. I don't know I don't know what to think, Paul Perkins. And well, and a lot of people itching to get some rain that have been missed by these rains of late. It seems like a lot of the rains have either gone well to the north and this next system going to go unfortunately well to the south. But ideal for field work for a lot of people for today, but I think a lot of producers would like to sound a, a switch this day with maybe a little rain to get things going because yeah. we're not seeing much in the way of rain showers for April showers. And here at the KRVN studio, we've only had 3,100s so far this month. Some of that rain has been uh, pretty hard water, as they say, too. Yeah. <laughs> I saw much. last night up to one inch hard water. Regional weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. We do have high pressure moving overhead for today, bringing in the sunshine. Seasonal temperatures right now, most of us in the upper 50s to the low 60s. Some low pressure does approach from the west tonight. That will result in increasing cloud cover. Rain is possible late tonight across west and central Nebraska, a very light form of rain. The more likely chances of meaningful rain start to move into eastern Colorado and western Kansas late tonight. Some low pressure tomorrow, tracking from southeast Colorado all the way through northern Texas and into Arkansas by Saturday. It's going to take a more southerly track, so that will keep the better chances of rain over Kansas and southern Nebraska. Over the weekend, we'll see a ridge of a weak ridge of high pressure take over to clear the skies out, gradually warm the temperatures up as we head towards next week. A westerly flow for much of next week going to only result in small chances of rain. Those disturbances that pass through in that westerly flow not having much of an opportunity to pick up on some gulf moisture, so just small chances of rain. And if we do see any rain next week early on, it won't be very meaningful. Late next week, some stronger low pressure may result in some better chances of rain or thunderstorms forecasters kind of indicating more of a pattern change as we head towards late next week in the way of some cooler conditions and better rain chances so we may see those better chances of rain or thunderstorms late next week with a stronger area of low pressure but still a lot of forecast model uncertainties to work out in the long term temperatures for nebraska forecast to be near normal or seasonal to cooler than normal tuesday through may 3rd Now, in Kansas, the temperatures are expected to be near normal to warmer than normal Tuesday through the 3rd, but the cooler end of the forecast for both Nebraska and Kansas is going to be in those later periods of late next week into the first few days of May. Above normal precipitation continues to be in the forecast for Nebraska and Kansas in the long term Tuesday through May 3rd. The latest drought monitor is out and takes data into consideration through this last Tuesday. It remains abnormally dry south of I-80 in south-central and southwest Nebraska. There are small areas of moderate drought in Kearney County and also from Imperial to Sydney. Conditions continue to improve in Kansas, abnormally dry in the north-central, west, and the southeast corner. No other dry areas in Kansas. And a lot, just a matter of a few weeks ago, we had some areas of moderate to extreme drought in portions of Kansas. That has disappeared. The weather factors affecting market trade today include more rain and cool weather in the Midwest and a continued favorable precipitation trend in South America. A procession of disturbances will maintain unsettled rainy conditions across large parts of the U.S. Cool air in the storm's wake should result in some weekend freezes as far south as the central high plains. Now here in Nebraska, not expecting frosty conditions as we head towards Saturday night. We should be just above freezing, but maybe some low-lying areas. Additional rain in the forecast across the Midwest through next week with the heaviest in the south and east. That rain and cool weather will disrupt and delay the corn planting even more and also disrupt the early growth of already planted corn. 
Rain and wet soils in the northern plains, the Canadian prairies through the weekend, not helping them to get in the field also. In the southern plains, periods of rain through the weekend, further benefiting the wheat crop. Temperatures will be cooler, but not cold enough for frost. Rain chances continue in Brazil and major crop areas to help out the second crop corn. Just light rain is forecast in central Argentina through the weekend to improve harvest conditions after recent heavy rain and flooding. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer in Holdridge, Lexington, Alda, and Ravana. You can phone them at 308-995-4000. So pretty mild today, a little bit of warming for the weekend and dry. Yep, and just if we do see any rain, it's not going to amount to a whole lot in Nebraska. A little bit better chances of meaningful rain in Kansas with this system. And when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Here's a look at ag information. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst told cattle producers she has her own concerns about the Trump administration's trade agenda as producers highlighted topics they'd like to see addressed in the next farm bill. Ernst, a first-term Republican, says that she expects a quick vote on USDA Secretary nominee Sonny Perdue on Monday when the senators return to Washington after the Easter break. Sitting down with cattle producers in southwest Iowa yesterday, Ernst expressed concern about renegotiating the North American Free Trade Agreement. She noted NAFTA has been very beneficial for Iowa, mainly due to ag exports. She says farm state senators want to encourage the Trump administration when it comes to agriculture, for lack of a better term, not throwing ag under the bus. She says she uh, didn't know that he was well informed about agriculture, and she thinks... He should be in uh, promoting those products overseas. And she says we'll have to be vigilant, make sure that it's top of the mind when he's engaging in trade. She says we'll have to make sure the people working under him know how important agriculture is for us. Vice President Mike Pence told U.S. and South Korean business leaders in Seoul this week that the Trump administration wants to restructure the South Korea-U.S. trade deal known as Chorus. Since the U.S. trade deficit with Korea has more than doubled since the deal, but Chorus has been good for U.S. beef producers. Korea's 2016 year-end import data shows that U.S. beef eclipsed the $1 billion mark, setting a new record. National Academy's Beef Association's Mike Bacchus he said, said soon after South Korea started to reduce its 40% import tariff on U.S. beef. I think looking at long term, the United States is going to have a competitive advantage over the other major importers into Korea, which means we're going to be able to sell more U.S. beef at a more competitive price. Korea's beef tariff is now down around 24%, and that will be eliminated by 2026. U.S. beef sales to Korea have more than fully recovered from the 2003 BSE outbreak. And in the meantime, Japan has signaled its intent to go ahead without the U.S. on TPP. If so, why would Tokyo give the U.S. anything better in a bilateral deal? Well, Senate Finance member and former chairman Chuck Grassley had this to say. I hope we get out of Japan the same thing we would have got out of Japan through TPP. And I would expect that Japan would get the same thing out of us that they got through TPP and just negotiate a bilateral agreement based upon what we had except for maybe automobiles. Which he says could limit additional gains on beef and pork or worse, U.S. ag concessions in return 
for auto market access. The Brazilian government will offer up to 500 million in reals or about 159 million U.S. dollars in subsidies to help corn producers there sell their large crop in the 2016-17 cycle. That's according to the Wednesday edition of the Federal Register. Separately, Brazil's Ag Statistics and Crop Supply Agency, CONAB, said it would acquire up to 1 million metric tons of corn grown in the state of Mato Grosso through an auction of option contracts. CONAB said the auctions, which would begin within weeks and give producers until September to exercise the options, were due to expectations of record corn stocks and slow exports to date out of Brazil. And uh, amidst fertile Mississippi River Valley farm fields, the first Greenfield Nitrogen Fertilizer Production Facility built in the U.S. in more than 25 years officially opened for business yesterday. Iowa Fertilizer Company and its Egypt-based parent company unveiled their Weaver Iowa plant, which will produce 1.7 million to 2.2 million tons of nitrogen products annually. You're listening to Ag News here on the Rural Radio Network. A tough day in wheat markets. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. With us, Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Dean, I just don't see a lot of bullishness here in the wheat market. What's your assessment as we're down to lows on the contract lows as far as this year is concerned? Yeah, I'd say lack of bullishness is an understatement in the wheat market. We've seen, uh, you know, last two months spent unwinding some of the rallies that we had started the year with. And, uh, you know, cooperative weather, um, continued big supplies. And really, you know, corn, beans, wheat, you got more fund selling going on. They just continue to press on this. Uh, huge fund, uh, short position in Chicago, large short position in, in corn. And, uh, you know, right now, dryness in Europe just is not uh, enough of a story to get anybody concerned. We just got too much supply right here at the moment. Fun. Options expire tomorrow fund shortness or the shorts are still not concerned apparently since we continue to trade lower what's it going to take here to start to see some buying back into the market well yeah i mean the uh the story is wheat is a headline market and uh you know we're waiting for headlines and you know whether it's a cold snap scare um finally uncovering enough buying you know we're competing globally export uh pace has been good sales are okay uh, it's just a function of supply, and you just haven't run out of sellers yet. It might be noted that the dollar is lower, gold lower, silver lower, and crude oil slightly lower, and we were noticeably lower yesterday. So all this stems from kind of a general commodity sell-off? Yeah, I mean, yesterday you had the crude sell-off, but it seems like, you know, regardless of what's been going on in, in the broader commodity complex, the grains have have just been doing their own thing and uh, we've had a hard time in the in the commodity indexes of getting through last month's highs are just kind of stuck here waiting for direction watching for global economies and some of those things but you know for grains we we need some northern hemisphere weather story and it's we're just we don't have any right now that's what you've mentioned just that the weather and that was my next question on a weather forecast that will allow at least for mixed planting progress Overall, the near-term trend continues to be negative on the grains? People are, are watching the, the planting pace. We are behind pace, but it's still too early for that to be problematic and to cause uh, buying. And, uh, you know, the market has gotten burned on, on delayed planting rallies before, and so they're skeptical of those. 
if we fast forward two weeks and we still have a 10-day outlook that's wet, um, you know, the story changes when you have this kind of shorts. I I think we have, you know, opportunity ahead of us uh, as you get into the growing season. But for now, it's just just lack of news. And on the commodity front, as well as the outside markets, there's so much uncertainty with fiscal stimulus, with possible uh, situation on the Affordable Care Act as well. That probably enters into the nervousness in the market. Yeah, I mean, markets hate uncertainty, um, but uh, you know, for the moment, I think, I think just lack of news um, keeps a wet blanket on the markets for the moment. We just need some. We need to get into the growing season. Demand is not a problem. Yeah. That's, that's not our problem right now. All right. Thanks for the comments, Dean. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Go to waterstreet.org or call them at 866-249-2528. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. It's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Nebraska coach Mike Riley made a big announcement last night on who his starting quarterback will be entering fall camp. Tanner Lee, the junior from Louisiana who transferred from Tulane, beat out redshirt freshman Patrick O'Brien. Lee made 19 starts at Tulane during his freshman and sophomore campaigns, completing 54% of his passes. And Riley gives his thoughts on why he made the announcement at this time. We made an evaluation once again after the spring game and decided that it might be good to define it now uh, for the summertime, for the work that the quarterbacks are going to do with the team. I don't know that there's any magic to it, but I do know that we did not want to carry it out into fall camp. I didn't really want to start fall camp making that the story. Riley made his comments on the Husker Sports Network last night. Lee was sharp in Saturday's spring game, going 13 of 19 for 190 yards and three scores. After just one season as Lexington's head boys basketball coach, Jonah Bradley is moving on. Bradley will become the next boys coach at Lincoln Southeast. The Norfolk native replaces longtime head coach Jeff Smith, who stepped down earlier this spring. Lexington was Bradley's first job as a head coach. He previously had been an assistant at Lincoln Southeast. Well, Jason Vargas dazzled again for a third straight start as the Royals finally scored off of Giants ace Madison Bumgarner in the Royals 2-0 win last night over the Giants. Vargas scattered four hits over seven innings with nine strikeouts and no walks. It's his 12th straight start allowing two runs or fewer. That's the longest streak by a lefty in franchise history. And manager Ned Yost was impressed. You know, he does a great job of, you never see him shake off. I mean, him and Salvi are on a great wavelength. Their, their game calling and execution is just been masterful in his three starts um but he's done a great job of mixing it up and changing speeds keeping the ball down and keeping the ball on the good part of the plate Vargas missed most of last year having Tommy John surgery. And a person familiar with the situation says New York Yankees star Derek Jeter and former Florida Governor Jeb Bush have joined forces in their attempt to buy the Miami Marlins after having competing interests in pursuit of the team. Jeter ended his 20-year playing career a couple of years back and has long talked about owning a team. Bush is the brother of former President George W. Bush, who was part of the ownership of the Texas Rangers from 1989 to 1998. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
partly cloudy today in Nebraska, highs only in the 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Well, in developing news story, CNN is reporting that the Tennessee teacher Tad Cummins has been arrested and 15-year-old Elizabeth Thomas has been found safe in northern Oklahoma. Cummins, age 50, fled with Elizabeth, his student, from their small town in Tennessee back in March. Authorities, uh, the two... The two disappeared a few weeks after a student reported seeing Cummins and Elizabeth kissing in a classroom. No other details were immediately available and will continue to follow this developing story. Again, the Tennessee teacher Tad Cummins has been arrested and 15-year-old Elizabeth Thomas has been found safe in Northern California. Officials say an inmate punched two guards and bit a caseworker at a Nebraska prison with a history of deadly riots. The Nebraska Correctional Services Department says a melee broke out last evening at the Tecumseh State Correctional Institution as staffers removed an apparently inebriated inmates from a housing unit. The department says one of the inmates started throwing punches when he learned he would be handcuffed, then bit the caseworker's thigh. Bernie Sanders, who attracted millions of college-aged and young adults to his presidential campaign last year, is following through on a promise he made when he left the race to promote younger leaders for the Democratic Party. It may not seem the most likely role for the slightly stooped, white-haired, 75-year-old Vermont senator, but Sanders was rallying support for Omaha's Democratic mayoral candidate Heath Mello, who's half his age. While the Democratic Party searches for a path back to power around the country, Sanders is using his popularity to draw thousands at events to promote next-generation Democrats. Through his effectiveness, though, is unclear. He's on an eight-state circuit of rallies with Democratic National Committee leaders visiting states that Trump carried in the November election. Nebraska lawmakers yesterday debated whether to exempt the names of suppliers of lethal injection drugs from the state's public records law. Senator Ernie Chambers opposes the measure. This bill that Senator Keene brought is designed to deprive the public of information it ought to have about how its government is carrying out the most solemn, the most consequential act that a government can perform. Lawmakers adjourned without taking a vote. Get the latest forecasts and live severe weather reporting around the clock on KRVN and KRVN.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Jason Jorgensen on the Rural Radio Network. Coming up on Saturday, the Nebraska Volleyball team will take on Colorado State in Kearney for the Huskers' lone spring match of the offseason. And we are joined by head coach John Cook. Coach, thanks a lot for the time. Talk a little bit about uh, your offseason. You've had a lot of things to do. Well, Jason, uh, it's been uh, offseason like no other because uh, I had to hire two new coaches, a uh, new video person, and Lindsey Peterson, my director of ops, who pretty much runs Nebraska Volleyball, had a baby. So I've been flying solo here for the last couple of months, recruiting, trying to pull all this together. But my theme is we are reinventing ourselves. So got a new staff and, and you know, kind of a new-look team uh, due to graduating four seniors, three of them All-Americans. So uh, we're, we're kind of, uh, like I said, reinventing ourselves, and it's been a lot of fun, energized by it. And you have to be energized because there's so much teaching and learning that's going on and, and acclimating new people into our program. 
you do have some really big shoes to fill. Um, how do you feel that search has gone uh, trying to replace, you know, some some of the greatest players you've ever had to play for you? Well, uh, you know, that, that's the beautiful thing about Nebraska volleyball. You know, when, when players graduate, there's players that are going to get great opportunities to, to replace them. And uh, Lauren Stiverns has been waiting a year. She redshirted a year to, you know, replace Amber Rolfson in the middle. And um, <clears throat> Olivia Boonder and... Annika Albright are looking to try to play that other outside hitter position. So, uh, and Kenzie Maloney's been waiting to take over for jo- Justine as libero. So, these guys, are, they're also energized and like that's the reinvent part of ourselves, but they're getting wonderful opportunities. And, you know, we, we haven't really, you know, we'll learn a lot about where we're at uh, Saturday when we play Colorado State. This week, uh, you announced your schedule for next year. Looks pretty tough. With the success you've had, is is it hard for you to find non-conference games? Really, really tough. Um, you know, to put together a non-conference schedule, and it's hard to get teams that want to come to Nebraska and play. Um, it's hard, like the UCLA thing. We're playing them back to back, and everybody's like, "Why are you doing that?" Well, we couldn't get any other teams to come in and play us and UCLA on the same weekend because. That's a tough weekend, so uh, we just said, hey, let's just play back-to-back. So it'll be kind of interesting, and I think it'll be from a strategic point of view and a preparation point of view, you know, you're going to learn a lot that first match, and then how much can you, uh, you know, reload for the next night and make adjustments. So I think it'll be a really good experience. I think our fans, it's something different. I think our fans will like it, but very, very difficult. Uh, You know, we're in this four-year deal with Oregon, Texas, and Florida, uh, and this will be year three of that. So this year it goes to Florida, so we'll open there. And then next year on the opening weekend, it'll come to Nebraska, and that'll be the fourth year of that deal. So um, that's kind of one that we put in place, so we're guaranteed playing those teams. Uh, but the rest of it is tough. And this year um, I actually sat with Trev, Trev Alberts at a volleyball. His daughter plays volleyball. I was recruiting, and his daughter was looking at somebody on her his daughter's team or the match and uh, so I sat with them for a while and I just thought to myself you know they're open they just opened a new arena up there and we did the same thing when Creighton opened their arena we went and played a match there so I asked them uh, you know hey we would be interested in coming up and you know creating a creating an opportunity to have a big event uh, in the new arena for volleyball and of course they were all over it and put together a great tournament and we'll play uh, Nebraska Omaha on Saturday night um, up there in the new arena. Today we're joined by Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook. Is the uh, Lady Huskers? They're coming to Kearney this weekend for a spring match with Colorado State. Coach, you've taken your team all across the state. I guess it, it finally made sense to make a, a stop in Kearney, and it sounds like uh, everyone out here is pretty fired up about that. Yeah, we mainly just wanted to drive on the Tom Osborne Highway. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you got your wish then. But uh, we. Uh, Colorado State contacted us. We're always, you know, trying to figure out where to go. And they contacted us because they have a couple. So they have two players from Nebraska. So Olivia Nicholson's from North Platte. So we tried to work it out in North Platte, but I don't know. There was issues with that. So we went to Kearney, and they have a brand-new high school there. So our people went out, checked it out, and thought it would be a great venue to have a volleyball match. And and so Colorado State's going to meet us there. And it was a tough ticket. It sold out in 24 minutes. So I think people are pretty excited. It should be a great match, and they'll have a couple of Nebraska kids. You know, we've got Nebraska kids, so it's, it's going to be a 
another spring event that, uh, you know, we're trying to do something special like spring football does, and, and this is, uh, I think, something pretty cool for our state and especially for the fans out west. Coach, another tradition is when you take your show out on the road, on Friday night uh, your practice is open to the public. If folks want to check that out, what are they going to see? They'll just kind of see what we do uh, before a game day, and we'll play at 3 in the afternoon. So we'll be getting off the bus, so it'll be more of a warm-up, get used to the gym. We'll just kind of go through some stuff. It's not anything real exciting. We don't really go that hard on the day before a match because we want fresh legs for the next day. But just kind of get acclimated, and then we'll probably answer some questions and sign autographs and for the people that want to come to that practice. Uh, But there won't be a coach's clinic or or anything that exciting because it's more getting there, getting acclimated, and uh, getting their bus legs out. And uh, So that's what they'll see. Well, Coach, we appreciate the time. You and the ladies have a safe trip, and uh, we'll see everybody on Saturday in Kearney. Great, Jason. Thanks. Always great to talk to you, and uh, hope, uh, hope the farmers have a good spring. And that was Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook. So the Huskers in Colorado State square off in Kearney on Saturday afternoon at 3. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jason Jorgensen. Back on the Rural Radio Network, and Joe Teal joins us from Great Plains Commodities. Joe, let's look at this live cattle market as we're such a discount here to cash, especially when you look at that June contract. So there's still a tug of war going on as to will cash cattle drop or we will these futures trades continue to rally? Well, I guess I'd wait to see the answer to that. But, uh, yeah, at this point, uh, you have to look at the April contract, which expires uh, at the end of this month, that, hey, uh, it, it, it's got to come to cash. And cash has been going up, and it's been stronger this week obviously, and uh, that's the reason for the the large gain out of that contract. There is fear still in the market that uh, we're going to come into more cattle, but hey, we have a cattle on feed report tomorrow, and we'll find out if that's true or not uh, as we look at those numbers. Uh, But it was a positive for the live cattle today. It was a negative for the uh, uh, feeder cattle. Feeder cattle all finishing lower after uh, starting out higher. So uh, we have mixed uh, a mixed cattle uh, complex at this point. But as you mentioned, it's it's the uh, the live cattle are bound to uh, go to wherever the cash is, and uh, that is very evident by the April contract. Over in the hogs, we're going to finish lower once again. Cash still sagging. We had the cutouts lower last night, but they were back up a little bit at uh, noon. But it's the cash. The cash uh, has been soft. We have premiums with uh, all these hog contracts. So, uh, therefore, they continue to be weak. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson reporting. 880 KRVN. As the temperatures continue to get nicer, we're only getting closer and closer to planting season. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Jenny Reese. She is a Nebraska UNL Extension educator who's going to talk to us about some of the things that producers should keep in mind ahead of planting season. Jenny, why don't we first talk about soil temperatures and how important is it We've seen, even last week, how we got down into low temperatures with frost and then really high temperatures. And so because of that, our soil temperatures are fluctuating quite a bit, too. 
On our CropWatch soil temperature site, it shows the daily averages. It also shows highs and lows and the midnight temperature. But the key consideration for our farmers is just making sure that those soil temperatures are 50 degrees for the day that they're planting and then especially the next 48 hours, if at all possible. And so one way to do that, just take a cheap meat thermometer and stick it in the ground four inches and see what it's reading. And also look at the forecast. And if they're calling for cold, wet rains, that's something that we've watched can reduce soil temperatures. The reason why that's important, Jesse, is because when those soil temperatures fall below that 50 degrees, that's the critical time in the first 48 hours when those seeds are taking up a lot of moisture quickly and it can lead to chilling injury of those seeds which can result in potential death of those seeds so that they don't germinate or it can lead to just injury. And when we are taking a look at soybeans I know that is a little further down the road for most producers but what are we anticipating thus far for planting dates and what should producers stay on top of? Well, we would actually ask producers to consider planting their soybeans maybe earlier than what they may have in the past. And that's because of all of our UNL research in which our farmers and also our university researchers have been able to show planting in late April or early May, according to the research in Nebraska, has always outyielded planting two to three weeks later. For our on-farm research, that yield was on average over several years, 2.9 bushels per acre with the range from one to 10 bushels an acre. So in a really good soybean year like last year, it can make all the difference allowing for really high soybean yields that are 80 to 90 bushel or greater. And for producers who might have planted soybeans last year, they're looking at planting soybeans again this year in the same location. What are some of the things that they should be mindful of? With economics, we've received more questions about, should I plant soybeans on old soybean ground? There's different situations where farmers are considering this. The major considerations for right now would be just making sure that they're rotating varieties, sources of resistance. And also, if you look at an economic analysis of this, especially in rain-fed conditions that are no-till using our UNL budget, it actually shows that it's pretty profitable this year. Corn soybean rotation still wins economically, but we also have all of this on our CropWatch website. Part one, it goes through planting and economic considerations for our producers, and part two goes through all the in-season management regarding weeds and diseases and insect management as well. We've been talking with Jenny Reese. She is a Nebraska Extension Educator for the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. The wheat trade washed out to new lows today. Contract lows. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We lack anything bullish, as it seems anyway, John. Yeah, and uh, it, it's, again, this is kind of a delivery re- re- replay of, of what happened in September and in December on the wheat contract. So if you recall, December Kansas City, we kind of traded, front month really all summer, we traded four, $4 to 420 It was very slow sideways, and then we get to the delivery periods, 
you know, started really the end of August, and it would dive, like, just like we're seeing today, where it would just fall out of bed completely, and, um, this is kind of similar price action. So for me right now, I think you've, you've seen guys just throwing the towel on, on what, what they're in storage, just moving aside. There just isn't room or there's no demand for it. You know, even the exports this morning, I mean, our exports are, are solid, and they're above where they were a year ago, but they're just not anywhere they're close to need to be to get us out of this the supply hole that we're in. Corn's the other story. Corn's, you've got a little bit of that going on, but in the wheat markets, um, it's just a massive bloodbath as, as we're, we're trying to figure out a place to put this, this new crop storage on top of what's, what's still sitting around. So the main really loser of the day, obviously the wheat is the story, but wheat over corn, July lost nine cents itself. So uh, wheat, corn only being down a nickel, wheat being down about 14, that, that looks to me like it could go to even money. I, I know we're about 60 cents over right now, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see by by the time the July delivery rolls around, that, that we see July corn and, and uh, July KC trading at, at par. That would be a, a different story nonetheless. Uh, November soybeans. Uh, here we are uh, getting ready for the planting season. Many in the southern plains have already started soybean planting. So you got to look at some figures here. Yeah, I think that right now the the looks like the weather models opened up a little bit. Southern Iowa, which had been really wet, is showing the next five days maybe get a weather window in. I'm still not that bearish on weather factors. I think the production side of it will that'll play out over the next few months. But you know, it's very difficult to get too bullish right now on too much rain. I, you know, we saw this in Argentina uh, a little bit earlier in the year where you know certain areas get flooded out, and you might have some wet spots here and there. But the areas that are surrounding that don't get flooded out, they just simply get a lot of moisture. So um, the trade. I I think at this point, on a lot of factors. I mean, macro-wise, uh, they're they're much more interested in buying equities and essentially shielding themselves with bond positions rather than taking risk in commodities. Uh, crude oil being lower yesterday uh, certainly was kind of a harbinger here. Really, the only thing that's working on the upside in commodities right now is, is cattle. So, if you're a cattle producer out there, you might want to keep your eyes open on on the markets going forward. Thanks, John. John Payne, senior marketing analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. I'm Dewey Nelson. Mid-America's first choice for ag information, weather news, and sports. 880 KRVM.